something a little bit different in today's podcast is I'm going to share with you five new tools that have kind of come into my life in the last five in the last year and become daily drivers. These are apps and services, online services that I have come to rely on just in the last year. They're new to me and they, uh, they have, uh, they've actually delighted me in a variety of different ways. So I'm going to share with you these five new tools. And I have to say that it's, it's unusual for me to incorporate any new tools in my daily mix. I'm very slow to adopt new things because we've got a system that's pretty much baked and in working for us. So bringing any new tools into the mix is always a big deal for me. Now I know that sounds counterintuitive because I, as my job on a daily basis, I test out software and processes and look at different tools. But for me to go from playing with and testing and talking about tools to actually incorporating them in my daily workflow, that's actually a pretty big deal. So to have five tools that I've incorporated in the last year, um, that says a lot. I, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that We've been spending so much more time in uh, at our desk and in uh, in our systems in the last year with the pandemic uh, shutting down so many other activities. Uh, but regardless, these are five tools that I think you might find uh, they're from a personal perspective as well as a business perspective. I think you might find them interesting. So that's coming up today. Five new daily drivers today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help. I want to help. And this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. And I am joined now by Rachel. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm lovely. How are you doing, Steve Dotto? I'm, I'm doing, well, Rachel, I got to tell you, in the McDotto household, my wife's uh, <laughs> in our household here, we just discovered a nest of black widows. So my uh, wife is a little bit freaking out right now. As uh. Uh, well, obviously, I, I can relate. Oh, Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not actually inside the house. It's outside the house and a bench, but it's still going to be dealt with. Two years ago, I was at a uh, I was at a conference. I was at VidCon, and I got bit by a brown recluse spider on my elbow. And I got to tell you, that was one of the most painful experiences of my life. It's something that I will never forget. And uh, yeah, so I don't... I, I'm all about nature, but biting spiders be <laughs> dead in my house. Um, I, I, the only spider I really adore and like is Spider-Man and has a fictitious character who I know is not hopefully going to bite me. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and, uh, and, and Charlotte. Oh, oh yes. Charlotte's okay. Although, although I did see a thing. Someone said, does no one realize that 
Charlotte, you know, she 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 had all these babies or is gonna have these babies. She probably killed another spider because that's the male and that's how they do that. And so they were trying to kind of put that macabre twist on Charlotte. They don't talk Web. about that. They don't talk they about that. They never talk about the details. Nope. They do not talk about that in Charlotte's Web. So I am going to <laughs> get you to go first as far as the week's news goes because I have a rant. I might just end up doing one story because I'm so up in arms about my particular story. Oh. And, and this is this new section that we do each week here on Gray Matters is not supposed to be a Steve Bitch session. And I know what often ends up being. We're supposed to be taking a look <laughs> at the news. Nevertheless, there are some things which need to be corrected in the world, which I will be talking about. But you share with me your first story and let's hope it's a nice one. I will. So uh, it's kind of neutral, I would say, though, if anything, we might come away saying LinkedIn still too damn expensive. Um, but I wanted to, you know, if any for any of our listeners that are uh, using LinkedIn for sales leads to generate business leads, you know, especially B2B, it's great for that. Um, and if you're using the sales navigator, um, I have done the trials for that, you know, to where you can kind of test out what capabilities there are. Uh, I, I will just be honest. I think LinkedIn uh, charges way too much for much their monthly... It? Uh, I know it's like at least 35 or 40 bucks a month. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I'm a cheapskate. So I, you know, I'm just like, oh, I want to get, you know, and I do get a lot out of the platform for free anyway. However, um, LinkedIn Sales Navigator has added a new feature um, that's for Enterprise Edition. Uh, and you can now have access to a champions list. Now, here's what that is. Let's say that you in the past have had a successful deal. You've sold your product, offering, service, whatever, um, you know, through your sales um, tactics and wonderful prowess. And you made a deal and it was through another person. And, you know, of course, usually I get this with vendors. They tend to connect with me on LinkedIn. I totally appreciate that. That's fine. Successful deal. But let's say that that person who helped you make the deal in that company moves on and becomes a role at a different company, starts their own company, things like that. Uh, Champions List will actually help you say, hey, track that success that you had with that person when they were at company A. They've now moved on to company B. Let's go explore. Keep an eye on that because that's a new target company you could. So it, it basically helps you follow the key person that helped influence mm -hmm. uh, that closed deal for you to wherever they may wind up and and thus building some more business for yourself or whatever company you're working for. So um, I like this idea. I mean, like of I course. said, I think oh, there's a lot you can do with the free version, but it, it helps you track that intentionally so that you can actually keep these people and, you know, do that sales thing that you all do where uh, you reach out to people that were obviously you had a successful transaction, you can build off that success in the future. So I kind of like that. It's really building on that personal relationship thing. They've added the feature, but it's only available in the premium version. Yeah, enterprise edition. So I'm assuming even that's probably a little upper scale than, uh, than like, you know, there's tiers and stuff uh, for larger companies. But I mean, helpful things to know. And again, anyone can take that as a best practice to say, hey, remember when you've had a success with somebody, you should keep that name, keep that contact. You don't know where they're going to be in two years, five years, 10 years, and they could be another a success for you in the future. So I did like that they were adding that. But again, kind of points to the fact too, uh, when it comes to building business, uh, all, all these platforms really are focusing on that person to person relationship oh, yeah. and why it's so yeah. important to cultivate those. Well, I will, uh, I will shock everybody a little bit by actually saying something kind of positive about Facebook. Um, <laughs> Facebook is adding a new feature into their, or they're testing out a new feature into their sharing uh, interface. Um, what they're doing is if you, in the future, you may well see, if you open an article, if you see a post 
and you say share on Facebook, or if you're reading an article and you decide to share it on Facebook through the web interface, if you haven't read it, they will pop up a warning saying you may be missing key facts because they don't want people to just share articles based on clickbaity titles or opening paragraphs because they're trying to stem the flow of misinformation. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to roll this out and, uh, it's, uh, it's going to start with Android users. So you will probably see it first. Um, but it's, uh, it, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting, it's a little bit invasive and you, some people might find it a little bit insulting. Well, how do you know? I didn't read it. Facebook, I might've read it somewhere else. Um, but still Facebook is, it's just, and it's not going to stop you from sharing. It's just going to make you say, Hey, are you sure you want to share this? Because doesn't, I don't think you actually read it. It's, it's like, it's like in Hugo Montoyo's line. I don't think he knows what that word means. <laughs> yes, it's exactly like, it. so Steve, I love that you brought this up. This is actually something that I've seen on Twitter already. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, and maybe it's because I'm an Android user. Oh my gosh, I get a perk. That's great. Twitter launched it in June. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Mind you, I don't willy nilly share. So yeah. So I I do. I mean, I, I follow current events and politics. And so I follow people in my feed too. And I, I, I like to just keep abreast of the news. That's what I use Twitter for. And I know we're going to come back to Facebook in a second, but that's why this is familiar to me because I actually have, I've seen, and I really like this. I'm not going to lie. I think it's perfectly appropriate in today's age of misinformation and how potential that is. I think it's perfectly appropriate to say, I get that you probably thought, think this headline is going to be a chest bumping victory for you to post this on your timeline. But how about this? Why don't you just pause and actually read what's in the article first? And that way, and here's why. That way, if someone engages with you about sharing this article, you might have some actual context in which to defend your position or mm-hmm. what you thought or why you shared it. Uh, yep. It's important to read and not just some of these headlines, by the way, are completely misleading. Of it's course. very appropriate to be reading it. So familiar stuff. I like it. it I, I get shines, it's invasive, but it shines a light into the echo chamber that most yes. that so many of us live within. And, yes. um, so we'll, we'll see how that, we'll, we'll see how that susses out by the way, uh, for a little bit more information on any of these topics and where we found the sources for our stories here, which we did read, you can also read the original content by visiting dototech.com slash what is it? 68 gray. It's 68, 68 Steve. gray dottertech.com slash 68 gray. And we will have links to all of the articles, which we are talking about today. All right. Uh, I almost called you April. All right, Rachel, what's up next? <laughs> April's awesome. I'll take that as a compliment. There we go. Uh, if you're listening, April, I love you. Um, so this uh, is a bit of a leak and it has not been confirmed, but you have alluded and we have alluded in past episodes that Twitter is probably going to roll out a subscription service mm-hmm. where you pay some money to get a little bit of a different experience mm-hmm. as a Twitter user. So um, uh, an app researcher, Jane Manchin Wong for uh, TheVerge.com, which this will be in the show notes, as Steve just mentioned, uh, has found some details saying that Twitter is this, this sub- paid subscription tier of Twitter is going to be called Twitter Blue, as in the, the bird icon is blue, Twitter Blue. And it would cost $2.99 per month. And the as far as what she's found out, the two big primary features a subscriber to Twitter Blue would get would be the ability to undo tweets, not edit, 
not edit, Steve, but you could undo a tweet just like you can undo a Gmail send, which I know you've talked about uh, in your materials and stuff for Dottotech. You can undo tweets, but you can also do bookmark collections. Like instead of just bookmarking a single tweet, you can create almost folders, if you will, in Twitter, in your profile to organize all your bookmarks. Um, that sounds like the things you would get with a $2.99 per month subscription to Twitter Blue. Again, it has not been confirmed by Twitter. It's looking very likely though. Oh, so this is a premium service of Twitter. I thought, and are we talking about two different things, that Twitter was going to start having a subscription service where I could say, if you want the inside stuff from me, then you can subscribe to my service. This is something different we're talking about. This is this is like YouTube Red, which is yeah. Twitter showing so <laughs> freaking much originality. Is it going to be Patreon <laughs> Orange next? And, 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 or, and, or Twitch Purple? And, 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 and Google, ours is bluer than your blue? <laughs> yeah, what's LinkedIn going to do? I mean, Facebook's yeah. already blue. Is LinkedIn the lighter blue? And, and, LinkedIn and, and, light. And, and Google's blue. So it's a, uh, oh. so yeah, so they're, uh, okay, maybe, maybe they're just trying to get in ahead of it. They're, they're squatting on the color, their color squatting. <laughs> oh, we're off completely off track. So this is a I separate know. thing though. This is going to give you some more functionality yeah. within Twitter. So you are a far more engaged Twitter user than an, than am I, is it worth it to you to be able to organize tweets in folders? No. Because how often do you go back to tweets? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I think I've bookmarked and look, I get I'm different than anyone else or whatever. Everyone's going to do what they do. But uh, I've bookmarked maybe three tweets in my entire over I decade how to bookmark a tweet. on Twitter. And I, I, and I have to look it up every time. I don't remember. And so. what is undoing? What does that mean? So uh, I believe if I had to guess, you know how in Gmail you can set different, like you can say, hey, I want the option to undo my Gmail send. Okay, Five but seconds, that's a setting 30. that you put in that says it's going to hold it in a buffer, and then you yeah. have a chance to click on undo within thirty seconds. It's like it, I bet it, it's that. It, it's it's sender's remorse is what it is. It allows sender's remorse exactly for a very short time. So is that going to be the same? It's going to like hold your tweet for thirty seconds, and then that you can undo it before you send it if you've just reacted in anger or something. So, Steve, I thought about that too. I mean, it doesn't explicitly say in this article what how the undo function works, since you know it's not even confirmed that these are the actual features. But that's got to be it, because I mean, you tweet and it's out there. I mean, it's instantly out there. And some of us, <laughs> raising hand here, have been in the position where we have tweeted something out, even if we deleted it in the first thirty seconds, somebody saw it and they responded to it and they got mad about it. Um, so it would give you that option that just it's almost almost goes back to that story you were just talking about. Hey. Do you just want to pause and just kind of look at what this is that you're thinking of sending out or that you sent out in the last five seconds? Are you sure? Are yeah. you sure you want to do that? And if you are not sure, you could be like, you know what? You're right. Let's just take it back and cancel that tweet. And then you can reword it or whatever you want to do. So I think it just gives you that that mulligan or that last that last hurrah before you ruin your life potentially. So I don't know. Good. Sitting behind a paywall at the Economist website, based on the Economist magazine, is an article which just got me furious. Uh, you don't have to go in and buy the article. I will summarize to you. And I'm not angry at the Economist. Uh, the 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 subject of my righteous indignation will become evident in a few moments. But here is what they have. Dis what this article is all about. In, it's based on the fact that uh, baby boomers are not reluctant to open their wallets. And if you look at online spending, 
according to the economists, the economist, uh, those baby boomers of us spend an average of $64,000 a year. A good portion of that is online, which is two times the amount being spent by those born before 1997 or Gen X, your generation there, you cheap, you cheapos. And <laughs> in 2020, the boomer segment over those over 65 increased their shopping by 53% year over year. Dang. Baby boomers are the engine room of the online economy. We're spending more money than any other generation online yet. Now the, 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 the target of my ire. Oh, only 3% of ads in the United States target those over the age of 50. What? I just, I don't know what else to say. Three percent, And I know this from, I mean, we, I started gray matters because I believe that baby boomers and Gen X, uh, are due to primarily our own, uh, our own, uh, uh, insecurities are not online enough and that we need to engage more online. And I always felt that there was a, a bias against us online and that, uh, for example, YouTube doesn't celebrate baby boomers and, you know, and, and, and we're just kind of, we're, we're, we're the, the value of the generation wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. seen, but I, I always thought that based on, for example, our own YouTube revenue, uh, off advertising that the, the fact that our target market is over 50 and we've always had very healthy, uh, revenue that the advertisers got it. And they recognize that we are the generation that spends money and they would be advertising to us online because we are online growing 50% year over year. Yes. Yet, yet <laughs> the evidence is to the contrary. Wow. You know, okay. This, this makes me equally mad on, on your behalf, as well as someone who's encroaching slowly upon becoming a boomer myself or right, well I guess I will always be a Gen Xer but you know what I mean I'm I'm going to I'm going to be older as I get older right and I just hate the idea so of being stereotyped out of being seen as relevant and and here's where I here's okay do you think it's because there is I don't know leadership as well as people doing tactical advertising that are not boomers Therefore, making all these assumptions like, well, grandma and grandpa are, you know, yeah. they're just, they don't know how to use this stuff. I think that there you know? is, and, and, and it's, I think it's got to be the small percentage, but, and maybe it's the result of the, of the new advertising interfaces that we have to deal with, dealing with uh. AdSense and dealing with Facebook ads and dealing with these new platforms, which give us a tremendous amount of demographics and data. But maybe and, and it maybe puts too much power in the hands of people who aren't making decisions based on the right data. Yeah, uh, I mean that all I can say, you know, if that number is even remotely accurate, it's just it's just mind blowing. Now there are some things that advertisers have to recognize about this generation that they don't necessarily have to pay attention to uh, quite st- strongly with other generations. For example, baby boomers uh, are far more concerned about privacy online. And in the, the, mm-hmm. the, so there is a reluctance and there is a fear of sharing information. Um, they aren't perhaps as technically capable, so they need easier navigation to the site. And they probably aren't as flexible in trust in, in thinking that as far as like, for example, how deliveries happen and things like mm-hmm. this. They, they, they don't necessarily trust that something is going to be delivered to them and they don't necessarily understand uh, always uh, accept 
at face value some of the hoops that have to be jumped through with some delivery, uh, some ways that we do online purchases. But having said that, those are easy things to cure. If you've got yeah. customers sitting there waiting and the customer's saying, the only thing that I need in order to buy from you is you have to step up the my, my feeling of security, the amount of privacy that you deliver to me, step it up and I will buy from you. Who wouldn't who wouldn't step it up and, and, and make that attention? Mm-hmm. Or I would love to buy from you, but I can't really figure out how to buy from you because your website is confusing. Instagram would be a great case. Like, how do I buy yeah. on Instagram? How do I get there? You know, that can be a little bit confusing. So baby boomers might have an issue there. So the marketers might say, let's figure out a more, a more, a simpler and more easy to understand shopping cart scenario for this. Let's work our way through that because the customers are there. They're just leaving because they're confused. But here they're saying that they're not even advertising to them. So yeah. part of that's going to be bias. Part of it is going to be, uh, I think, I think the the rush to social proof, you know, the fact that we get more yeah. excited about having 50,000 subscribers than yeah. 500 people on our mail list and not mm-hmm. recognizing the value difference of these different types of connections. Perhaps that is a part of it. Uh, but regardless, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I get upset. Yeah. And not necessarily so much for me, but uh, as a baby boomer, not having the content delivered to me. But as somebody who markets to baby boomers, I'm upset that the value of my content isn't being recognized by the advertisers. This is all about Steve. This is Steve being upset (laughs) that I'm not making more money. No, but you know that I totally get it because you know that's not true. And and now you're talking about this. It's like to me, it feels like it's lazy. It's lazy advertising. It's like go for the quick fix or the quick hit. Are you kidding me? You could be missing out if you just put that little tiny bit of effort in to do a little more educating on the process to make it easier to say, hey, here's a clear step from that click on a social post or an advertisement to get you to what you need from my website. Mm. If you would just put that little bit of effort in, you would have this entire savvy, uh, ready to spend demographic. Go uh, building business for you, but instead they're you're right. They're going for these quick vanity metrics and stuff like that, and not paying attention. I'm I'm equal. I'm upset on yeah. your and, and as I say, I can understand it on some platforms. I can understand it, say on if on a on a Instagram, having a, a little more reluctance just because the interface is so different. But the shopping carts that we see on Facebook and the and, yeah. and, and from just in normal normal uh, just normal driving traffic content marketing driving traffic to your website to put people in a sales funnel the fact that that isn't targeted more at baby boomers is uh well it's it's a lost opportunity and it's costing me money and i'm going to get off of the i'm going to get off the the, the uh my uh my high horse on this and because well and steve if i may add one last thought uh sure. look at the last year um whatever hiccups or obstacles or hang-ups with any generation about using stuff online to get things done or get what they need that all had to go out the window. All mm. of us were using stuff online to buy what we needed or wanted. So it seems incredibly, like I said, it's not, they're not tapped into what reality is right now to just bypass that generation entirely. So uh, yeah, the, the, the wake up, wake up people. Yeah, Come on, indeed. you're wake, we're in a new age. Wake the heck up. And, and, and thank God, if anything, it validates everything that we are saying within the gray wave, within gray matters mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, it's not just our imagination. If we're feeling, if we're feeling somewhat slighted, it is not just our imagination. Um, and I don't want to be the guy that, you know, that, that's, that, that 
starts a generational war, although I'm certainly willing to join in to a certain extent in it. Uh, uh, me too. Hey. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's, uh, so we will have links to this. You, you can, uh, unfortunately, as I say, the, the article that, that, that spurred this on is behind a paywall at the economist. I don't usually like to share those within, uh, within our show notes, but uh, we are going to be sharing that today with you. It'd be funny if everybody listening to this, who is a boomer says, Whatever, I got the money. I'm going to go pay for that. Yeah, <laughs> pay that paywall and see the article. This, where did all this traffic come from? My God, somebody's interested <laughs> from in Gray Matters. We've figured it out. We've cracked the code. <laughs> um, so our feature today is all about. Uh, it's not about productivity, but post pandemic, uh, there are. I, I said, what tools am I using? What am I doing differently than I did before? And I picked five tools that I am using now that have become my daily drivers, what I call my daily drivers. They're, they're, they're always on my computer. I'm using them all the time. And I wasn't using, the, the, the catch is I was not using these apps last year at this time. So that is what we're going to be looking at in our feature today. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with more Gray Matters in just a few seconds. Do you need a little more Steve time? Well, I get it. And I have something for you. Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday, or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them, and we are still going strong. I know, it almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation, or online marketing, and more Steve? Oh, pinch me. I'm in a little bit of heaven. The links are in the description or visit dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. I have something a little bit different planned for you today. I'm going to share with you five new tools that were not in my in my toolkit. They weren't daily drivers for me one year ago, but in the last year, each one of these tools has become a, a an app or a tool that I use on a daily basis. They have worked their way into my core productivity or my core my core set of applications. And there's a real mix. There's some that are productivity. There's some that are online business related. There's some that are health related. Uh, they kind of fit in a variety of different places, but they've all found their way from being pretty much unknown to me a year ago to being tools that now I rely on and I would be lost without. So let's dive in and let's take a look at the tools. And we'll start out with uh, with Restream Studio. Now, we, a year, a little less than a year ago, we transitioned our weekly webinars from using a webinar package. Uh, the webinars tool that we used was a wonderful tool. It's Demio, we still use it for a lot of webinars. But I wanted to expand the social reach of our Webinar Wednesday, our, our feature where we do uh, free online trainings. So I wanted to see if I could convert the webinars into on into streaming products and take advantage of the reach of my YouTube channel and Facebook to get a little bit more organic growth attached to the to the weekly webinars. So we needed a tool that we could basically replace the webinar tool to manage the content of the webinar. And we settled on Restream Studio. Now what Restream does, the, the strength of Restream is it is a multi-streaming service. In other words, what it does is it allows you to take a single stream, a single upload, and split it amongst multiple platforms. 
specifically. In our case, we would could broadcast, say, on YouTube, or we could broadcast on Facebook, but Restream Studio will allow us to create a single broadcast and then multicast it to those platforms. And it will actually go well beyond just those two. You could go into Twitch and you could go into other platforms as well. But those were the two that we wanted to focus on. And Restream has served our needs exceptionally well. Restream Studio is a software service. You actually launch it in your browser. And within Restream Studio, you have the ability to bring guests in, to incorporate video, to incorporate graphics, to manage the chat as you on the different platforms that you are having uh, that you're having viewers in. So it has allowed us to fairly effectively transition from a traditional webinar package to streaming, to live streaming our webinar without losing too much as far as interaction with our community and certainly expanding our reach dramatically. Now, the entire process of converting over from a webinar package to online streaming was was far more than just the, than just the delivery mechanism. We had to come up with a complete registration system, et cetera, but that's a conversation for another day. The first of my daily drivers that now I have has made it into my core set of tools is Restream Studio for live streaming. The second of my daily drivers is really kind of a personal product and it's health related. As I've aged, I am now 62, my blood pressure has started to go up to the point that the doctors uh, were asking me to monitor it on an ongoing basis. Now, that's a challenge to do. I, I don't know how you manage your blood pressure, but previously, the only time my blood pressure was ever me- measured was when I went to the doctor's office or occasionally in a drugstore, I would use one of those public blood pressure things that are just kind of sitting out there for, the, for a public service. So I didn't really have a way or I didn't really have a good idea of the best way to monitor my own blood pressure so that I could give the feedback to my doctor so that we could determine the proper amount of medication or if I should be on medication. And so I did a little bit of research and looked for home units. And there are a variety of different units available for the home. But the one that I settled on was one called the Cardio. And Cardio is a, it's spelled Q-U-A-R-D-I-O. And I will include a link in the, uh, in the show notes. It is a Bluetooth-enabled uh, uh, blood pressure monitor. It's a cuff. It's just a little box. It's a little square box with a with a cuff around it that you slide onto your arm, fire up the app on the smartphone on your smartphone, and it takes your blood pressure just a few seconds, and it's done. And it keeps track of all of your different blood pressure uh, readings, and you can take the cardio readings at the end of a period of time, and you can email them to your to your doctor. It does averages. It tells you. It shows you graphs of your trend of blood pressure. So if you are like me and you're now starting to take a little bit of blood pressure medicine as they determine the dose, I can give them a very accurate picture of exactly how the medication is working on me because I can take my blood pressure at the same time every day effortlessly. It just takes a few seconds. And so the cardio has become one of my daily drivers. And I, I personally, I think that it's, uh, you know, it gives me a lot of it gives me a little bit of, I'm not going to say satisfaction, but it, it, it comforts me to know that I am doing what I can to help take care of my health through through a simple piece of technology. So the cardio is the, is the second of my daily drivers. The third and fourth are both financially related tools. And I'm going to start with WISE, which used to be called TransferWISE. Now, I've spoken about this briefly in the past here on, uh, on uh, the Gray Matters. 
Wise is virtually an online bank account. It is a bank account that you can sign up for, but it's, it crosses all borders. It's terrestrial, it's based in the United States, but it gives people who live outside of the USA the opportunity to have a US bank account that they can have money transferred into. But most importantly for me, and I think for most of you, is how good a job it does at distributing those funds elsewhere. Now, prior to TransferWise or prior to WISE being my daily driver, uh, we had PayPal and we still do have PayPal and PayPal is still a daily application that we use. But PayPal is a company that it doesn't make you feel good using them. They charge, uh, I think, uh, exorbitant fees in some ways. Their CEO is a piece of work. PayPal just has not engendered any real loyalty from people like me. So especially because PayPal forces people like me, people who live in Canada, to use PayPal's conversion tools to convert US funds into Canadian funds before they will transfer them to us here in Canada. And they take, they give us a terrible exchange rate. So as far as I'm concerned, they're taking advantage of the situation there. They're, they're, they're shaving a little bit off uh, in an area they did, don't have to shave a little bit of money off so that they can make more profit and it ends up costing me each and every month. And I just don't appreciate that. Enter TransferWise, this online service, which is a bank account that is very easy to set up the transfers into and out of, but it also does a brilliant job converting funds from one currency to another. And here is the most valuable part of it. PayPal has been great and TransferWise is fine for taking payments, for accepting payments uh, on products that we sell. Actually, we don't use TransferWise for that, but we use Stripe for that and PayPal. They're both, both tools work well as a payment gateway to bring money in. But once the money is in our account, then we often distribute it, not just to ourselves, but we distribute it to people who are work for us, to our employees or to subcontractors or to services that we use, like paying for different licenses, et cetera. And PayPal will often charge us a fee transferring that money. And it's and if it does, they don't charge us a fee, they charge the recipient a fee and they take their cut. And it takes often days for a PayPal transaction to, to be processed. With TransferWise, if, my, if the person who I'm trying to pay also has a TransferWise account, I can make a payment to them and it will be transitioned instantly. It will happen instantly and neither of us are charged. It's free. It's a bank-to-bank -bank transfer effectively that happens almost instantaneously and at no cost. It is brilliant from that perspective. There also, when we want to exchange funds, you can work in virtually any currency. And when you do an exchange, they do a very competitive exchange rate to what I would get from my local bank. So they're saving us money there as well. Even if somebody doesn't have a TransferWise account that I'm trying to pay, TransferWise makes it very easy for us to figure out how to do direct bank deposit. They go through a lot of effort to demystify the banking nomenclature, understanding the what the SWIFT account numbers are and all of those sorts of things. So you can make sure that you can set up the transfer effortlessly uh, into uh, individual bank accounts, again, in multiple currencies. So TransferWise, or I still call it TransferWise, WISE has become my daily driver for driving funds into, collecting all of the funds of, of different payment services that pay me, and then distributing those funds both to myself and to anybody who I owe money to. It's my payment gateway on the out as well as on the in, if that makes sense. I'm a big fan of where WISE has come and what it delivers. My first of my financial daily drivers, WISE.
The second is a shopping cart tool. Now, this might be getting down in the weeds a bit for those of you who aren't in the online uh, online marketing world. But effectively, what happens to content creators like myself is we end up with multiple silos of payments happening. We end up selling courses through one interface, and we might end up selling uh, a book through another interface, or maybe merchandise through a third. Uh, and we have all of these different places that we drive traffic who make payments. And those payments are made in something called a shopping cart tool. Now, you need a shopping cart for everything that you sell online. It's what manages the transaction. It's what collects the money and then helps you deliver the product to your customer. So we often end up with multiple silos, with multiple shopping carts kind of spread out all through the internet. And so in order to manage your accounts and to manage your business, I would be logging into multiple different services to check on payments, to do refunds, to adjust pricing, etc. Thrivecart is an amalgamator that pulls all of the different uh, all of the different services that we have together into a single shopping cart so that I can manage all of the products that we sell from one unified interface. And it does an exceptional job of that. Now it's still a fairly, well, it's actually not that new a tool, but you can still purchase a lifetime license on it. They haven't moved to a to a SaaS or a monthly payment system. There's a competitive product called Samcart, which is already a monthly payment, but Thrivecart, joyously for me and perhaps for you if it's something that you want to use you can still purchase outright and ha- get a lifetime license for it but it has revolutionized how we handle our payments coming in to our into our business thrivecart is the fourth of my daily drivers and the second that are related to finance i may have left the best for last all of those tools that i've talked about are great in different ways But the tool that has changed my life the most is a mind mapping tool. Now, for those of you who might be new to mind mapping, mind mapping is a, is an organizational structure for information. It is a, you've off, you've used them. Even if you don't know that you've used them, if you are working on a whiteboard and spitballing an idea, chances are that you've created some sort of a mind map on that wall. But mind mapping is a little more structured than just that. A mind map has a central topic. And radiating out from that topic are related content. And then you build a basically a matrix or a web of how one item of information uh, relates to the other. And it, it creates a map, it creates a mind map, a concept map for whatever the topic is you are working on. And I recently started to use mind mapping to help me with my course content, with to help me develop the content that I deliver in webinars or in online courses. It was just a really good way to structure the information. And I started to use it because I was increasingly getting frustrated with the slideshow metaphor. I was using slides for a lot of the, a lot of the presentations and a lot of trainings I use. And I've always been frustrated with slides because of the linear nature of the information coming out of them. I take a lot of pride in my communication skills. It's what I do for a living. I communicate ideas. I try and teach people ideas. I try and take complex ideas and make them easy for people to understand. And I think all good communicators share one thing is if we are doing a good job, if we are on point in, in, in teaching or in sharing ideas with people, it's because we create context at every step of the way by creating context for the, whatever it is that we're trying to convey, we personalize the information for our audience and it allows them to understand it and, and digest it more effectively. So I'm always looking to create context always. 
I was frustrated using a slideshow metaphor or a slideshow tool in order to create the, in order to share knowledge because slideshows are very linear. You only see one idea at a time. You can't see how that idea that's on the slide relates to previous things or something that's coming up. And it, it, it just doesn't give you a visual representation of the information that's being shared. Whereas mind maps do that and they do it gloriously. So I started, as I started to use it to, to create presentations, I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace the slides when I deliver my next webinar, and I'm just going to show them the mind map, and I'm going to work around, and I'm going to move around, and so that when I talk about different aspects of the, of the content that I'm teaching, people looking at the screen can see the linkage. They can see, in, they can have context and see exactly where one piece of information fits in the overall scheme or the overall map of what it is I am sharing. And much to my delight, my audience, my community loved it. And we got so many compliments and people said, this gives us so much more clarity. And not only, I, I think for the people who concentrate and really focus on what you're saying, it gives them clarity, but it really helps as well the people who kind of phase in and phase out. We've all sat down and listened to online tutorials or online webinars, and we've kind of zoned out for a few moments. And then we've come back, we've a little bit lost the thread and we have to struggle to catch up. If you zone out and you're looking at a mind map as the person is droning on about whatever content it is, when you come back, when you kind of come back on focus, you can still see the related, uh, the related elements that the, the, the presenter has been speaking about, and you can infer your own context as a, as a result of that. So I believe that it does a better job of conveying to both engaged and partially engaged uh, viewers or listeners to your content. Now, the tool that I chose, and I played with a lot of different mind mapping tools as I was starting to get into it, and there are a lot of really good options out there, but the tool I settled on is one called AYOA, A-Y-O-A, and it is a mind mapping tool that also tries to be a project management tool, or at the very least, a good task management tool. So not only does it do mind maps, but it also gives you a Kanban board interface and allows you to view the data in a variety of different ways. And it also has kind of to-do list type capabilities in it, reminders, and even, a, and even a, a, a conversation platform where you can chat with your team. And it, of course, is multi-user, so you can collaborate with others when you're working on AOA. For me, though, the simplicity of the application won out. How easy it was for me to configure the information and how well it worked. They have a fairly reasonable pricing structure, and I bought a one-year license for, I think, $150 or so, and they just basically do a really good job of making mind mapping effortless for me, and it has completely won me over. So of all of the daily driver type apps that have really come into my life in the last year uh, of uh, health-related apps uh, with cardio, uh, broadcasting apps with Restream Studio, the financial ones with Thrivecart and Wise, all of them have benefited, and I feel like it is it has made our business or made my personal life better. But the one that's helped me most at the core of what I do as a communicator, AOA, the mind mapping tool has just, it's just blown me away. It has made all the difference in the world. And I am increasingly becoming a mind mapping convert. And often now, as I'm starting to think about an idea, 
traditionally when I think of, when I start spitballing an idea and putting in putting down an idea for a module or for a course or for a podcast, I would open a document or usually I would open a, a an Evernote document and I would start to just in bullet point form write down my ideas and try and do a little bit of a stream of consciousness dump on whatever it is that I'm thinking about creating some content on. Increasingly now, the first place that I go and the place I want to go is AOA because I put down that first idea and then I start, it starts radiating out. And even though I, it's all coming from me seeing the thought process that I'm working on laid out graphically before me in visual form gives me additional clarity as well as I'm creating it. So not only does it work when we go to deliver the content, but as I'm actually creating the idea, creating the, creating the, the content that I'm about to deliver, it really helps me deliver, create the content with greater clarity and greater context all of the time. I stay on point, I stay focused, and I see new opportunities to illustrate whatever the points I'm making just by the fact I can look at it laid out before me in, in that kind of snapshot form. So I am the biggest fan of all of AOA. And I don't, as I say, I, there are a dozen or more great mind mapping apps out there. Uh, but AOA is the one that has kind of won me over. We are back with the lovely and talented Rachel Moore to put a button on this week's episode. So, so do you have any tools, Rachel, that you use now that you weren't using a year ago that you have now have, have now become your daily drivers? Yes. Uh, I've started using, and I've mentioned it, I think this is actually on one of your, uh, app Wednesday shows. Uh, I brought click up to the fore because I, um, I'm a big fan of the, the can do it all tools, but this ties in nicely too. It's something you brought up today. Uh, I use it for project management, I use it for planning out my content calendar cause I'm in marketing. Um, they have a mind map view yep. and I have not explored it yet. Yeah. I took a so. quick look at ClickUp's mind map. So, so ClickUp is the darling of the, of the online, of the, sorry, of the product <laughs> right crowd right now, because it's just, it is literally a Swiss army knife that, that you can, <laughs> that you can turn into almost anything. It's a Franken app. You can use it for almost anything. Um, and it's, it, it's brilliantly, I, my concern is that it, they just keep adding features and adding features. And at some mm -hmm. point you're going to have to start adding interface. True. And you're just going to have to start worrying about the UI an awful lot more. But it's, uh, you know, if we weren't as deeply in, in, integrated with Asana, we would uh, we would definitely be, uh, I would definitely be looking at ClickUp. And I know, for example, last week's guest, Mike Vardy, who is uh, the productivityist, right. he, has, he has completely abandoned Asana and he has moved over to ClickUp. And that is a abandoning, I think, a seven-year relationship with Asana, including a, a champion relationship where they used to do a lot mm -hmm. of business with him. So, but he, uh, he's, he's a big fan of ClickUp as well. So that's a, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good Yeah. Tip. And the only other one I, I would say is, and it's not product productivity related, but more kind of like entertainment and peace in our, our house related, uh, is Spotify and Spotify is a thing we can do Spotify duo. So my husband, uh, I, I'm able to pay for him to have a membership on Spotify. That's not a whole separate seat, but it's like twelve ninety nine a month, I think, which is totally doable. But then, um, we can create a mutual playlist. So mm -hmm. things I like and he likes, and I, I know that might sound like, oh, what's a big deal? You guys, I have been walking around my neighborhood way more, and especially in the last year, and I need stuff to listen to. I like Spotify now for all my podcasts that I listen to. Hello, Gray Matters. Uh, I like it for my playlists. I like it to find new music. 
I like to follow people's playlists. Um, I'm digging it. So that's one too that I've tapped into that I had not before gotten into. But I really like your list. Yeah. And I was really, can I just say I was patting myself on the back that I, I've used a couple of the things on your list and I agree okay, with you. Which one, okay, okay. Before we go to that, just to, to, to not to leave Spotify. Um, yeah. I used to have a Google Music subscription. Apple Music I've always found to be hard to manage. Um, and we have a Google Home system. So I'd, I'd license the Google Music uh, using the Google, and they've discontinued that. And ah. so I bought a family plan for Spotify, which isn't that much more than the single plan. So every right. member gets their own plan. And now that is, uh, and I've integrated that with Google Home. So, and we just got a brand new Sonos uh, speaker down for our TV. And so it's also Google enabled, or you could also set it up for uh, Alexa. Nice. But so we, we've been using, I, Spotify has become our daily driver, but I don't even think about it because it's our music for the home and it's, right. it's, it's going through our smart speaker system. So which yeah. of the apps have you used uh, that I'm talking about? So Restream, fully on board with that. Yeah. Um, I, I've used a few live streaming or, you know, multi-streaming platms. Uh, I think they they've got they've kind of taken the lead on that one. I totally yeah, agree with everything. There's you said. some good competition for Restream, but Restream certainly is uh, is 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 a main is a contender at the top echelon. Yeah. And then uh Wise. I really liked oh, yeah. you were the one who kind of alerted me to that one too, but I like that one a lot because you're right. It's it's the banking thing, the transfer thing, transactional thing. There's all these fees that get try to get taken out every which way. I gotta tell you, I get i even my mom has tried to send me money on PayPal and she uses like says it's a business trend. I'm like, mom, you just screwed me out of 10% or whatever it is, you know, yeah. to, to get the money she wanted to send me. So I have to like, no, you got to send it as a friend. Transfer wise, I, I don't worry about any of that stuff. And, and I think I've pointed out on a prior podcast, I like that they have the little jar that you can use to save money for like, say, I don't know, a trip to the UK or to Tokyo. Yeah, I never even looked into that. that. So that's a feature that's built into Transferwise so that you, and yeah. uh, I think I, I actually, I've mentioned to you before, there's, that's basically, that there was a, a, I'm not sure if this is a business or a, a, a life hacking book that was available in the States or is popular in the States, but uh, an author named David Chilton used to, had a book called The Wealthy Barber. And yeah. he taught that process of pay yourself first. So I always take 5% or 7% or 10% or whatever you could, whatever you decided on of your check coming in and put that in a savings account separate and don't touch it. And you very quickly acclimatize the fact that that's your income now minus that 10% and you just, everything adjusts, but yeah. that's how you get rich. Yeah. And, yeah. and to have it in in wise already, I mean, now you've got, you know, it's a cloud, but actually like you said terrestrial, you had a cloud banking account that I can use and, and, you know, takes care of the, the, uh, the exchange rates and things like that. It's just really nice to have. So I think it's a great, that's a great tool. And as a, as a business, not using it as a tip jar, but if you pay taxes in your jurisdiction, and you know that you're going to be paying 20% or something like that, you can, you can parse that out. Even if you just do your taxes once a year, you can be parsing that out in the account so you've got that money set aside, which mm -hmm. so many business people do not do. And they, and they end up with that big tax bill at the end that they have to come up with. Ooh. It becomes very, very, very stressful. Yeah. All right. No, but yeah, loved them all. I loved all those. Those were really great apps. I'm really curious to see too uh, in our in the Gray Wave group on Facebook what people are going to say that their apps are that they've been using in Indeed. last year. Indeed, it will be interesting. Links to all of these uh, all of these uh, tools, uh, both mine and the and I guess Spotify. <laughs> oh, and uh, wait, ClickUp uh, will yeah. be available in our show notes, which is at www.dototech.com slash 68 gray. That's gray with an E, 68 gray. So it'll be great for you all to find all of this stuff right at that link. 
I am going to head out and, uh, and, 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 and be the cause of demise of a nest of black widows. So until next week, we... <laughs> We tell next oh, wow. week. Hopefully, I'll hopefully I'll still be uh, healthy next week. <laughs> that makes how you're going to sign off the show so much more effective. Oh, there we go. <laughs> next time, have fun storming the castle. think it'll work? I hope it doesn't take a miracle.